Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Today we are going to be dissecting Season 5, Episode 13 of The Sopranos, titled All Due Respect. This episode aired June 6th, 2004, which is actually two weeks after long-term parking. I guess they had to give the whole grieving of Adriana some time. That's crazy. Wait a minute. You said when? June 6th? Yep. Oh, you know what? They probably... I don't have the calendar in front of me of 2005. Four? Four. Uh, but they probably wanted to skip Memorial Day weekend, I'm guessing. But this is HBO. Right. But they just were worried that they wouldn't have enough attention. People are traveling. You, know, you don't oh, want to drop your okay. climactic episode on a holiday weekend. All right. Maybe. Yeah, sounds plausible. Yeah. Also, I think we should mention, because I noticed this was very prominent on HBO Go, actually, and I've been thinking about it a little bit, too. Here we are. This is basically the week of literally the 20th anniversary wow. of the premiere of this show. Um, the pilot episode aired on January 10th, 1999. It's crazy that's been 20 years. 20 years. That is amazing. The show has has aged very well. As yes, we it has. See. Yeah, you, yeah. I'm. I'll never stop watching the show. Yeah, I don't think I will either. No matter what smartphones they come up with. <laughs> I thought I was going to be robots. done. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to be done after this podcast. I was like, yeah, it's probably it for me with this show. But I don't think it is. I think I'm going to keep watching it. Wow, you were going to give up? Well, no. I mean, I just thought, you know, hey, maybe you you just kind of cap it after you do a very deep dive podcast you cap it with that what new thing can you really discover but i think i'll always be able to discover new things yeah just the joy of watching it yeah it's a beautiful show we love it obviously yeah Uh, but anyway yeah where were we oh yeah right this episode was written by david chase robin green and mitchell burgess and it was directed by john patterson here is the hbo synopsis for the season five finale in the season five finale Tony's crew circles the wagons as Johnny Sack turns up the heat. Meanwhile, Carmela counts her blessings. Christopher is freaked out by an unexpected visitor. Benny's connection to the plumbers union comes in handy. AJ demonstrates his business acumen. And Tony ponders whether to execute a sacrifice bunt. Uh, again, well, we, have, we have said it before. Yeah. But HBO. Synopsis. <laughs> Taking a big swing at benny there was that really the synopsis that was the synopsis i mean it was just so kind of comedic yeah and strange and sort of not quite (laughs) keeping to the point of the episode i but i have to figure they're like hey no one's really gonna read this anyway they just sort of hit play and watch the episode and they probably are very correct in that well little did they know we were going to be reading every single one yeah we've got you yeah well here we are Season five finale. Yeah. Like you said, it feels like it went by quick. Yeah, season five. Right. No, absolutely. And uh, helmed by John Patterson in as his usual. customary role as a finale director. Mm-hmm. And I like this episode a lot. Very business-like. Mm. Yeah, I think there are a lot of different themes. Uh, I think it's about people getting their house in order mm-hmm. or not. So we'll see. We start off with opening scene. 
just a body bag in a morgue, right? And it is Billy Leotardo in that bag. Phil needs to see his brother one last time before they take him off to the funeral home. And it's made worse to see that Bill was shot directly in the face. Yeah. And, you know, if you've seen God, uh, Goodfellas or, you know, mm-hmm. you give no respect mm-hmm. if you shoot a guy in the face. That's right. Can't have an open casket when you have a hole in your head. Pesci's character. I'm remembering that from Goodfellas. That's they right. even shot him in the face so his mother can give him an open casket. Yep. Yeah. Terrible. And Phil is frustrated because still Tony has not given up the whereabouts of Tony B. Right. And um, Johnny Sack, of course, in the scene. Also, is it uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Patrill? Patrill. Yes. Who we later discover big news about Jimmy Patrill. Yes. And then from there, we go on to Tony B, who is still bunked up at Uncle Pat's. He has a young girl with him there. A prostitute. Whore. A whore. I thought, does this girl think Canada is in Italy? Because the way the dialogue is structured, Mm -hmm. she says, you should go to Italy. And then he says something like, my cousin's going to give me the finances to go to Canada. And she says, Italy. Wow. What a great cousin. Oh, actually, I think you misunderstood that line. I I know. That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. I'm very confused. (laughs) No, Tony B was just saying, my cousin's going to give me the funds to go to Italy through Canada. Via Canada. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gavin is learning. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the scene. He is bunked up. Right. He's alone. Yeah. And uh, we have kind of a like little sad note to end the scene on because on her way out the door, uh, the prostitute, you know, she collects her money and then she thanks Tony B for the massage mm-hmm. and, you know, her toe feels better. And it's just kind of sad because it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He did have all these skills, and that was going to carry him away from this life once and for all. And it's just another shattered dream. Picking up from there, we uh, see Chris's mother coming out of her place with Phil and Goon walking up. Yeah. She's confronted by Phil, who goes really from a like a soft three mm-hmm. to a 10 to an 11 yeah he he i mean he's gonna ram the disc man up her box yeah that's that's how serious that's the, phil has lost it right and of course christopher can hear all of this from inside and this is obviously shitting his pants as well because phil has to find somebody right he has to exact an eye for an eye from someone Mm-hmm. why not chris he's trying to light a fire under the soprano crew and yeah chris has his gun so he's ready if shit really pops off but joanne is able to get away and also phil's goon kind of holds phil back and he's like look it's the guy's mom like yeah. this is going a little far right and of course we have a pretty famous line from the sopranos mm-hmm. here in this moment when phil does approach he says we're uh, from alcoholics anonymous what's your name well we're anonymous <laughs> that's that's just good writing right yeah. there no it's a great line yeah uh and yeah so now chris is being threatened 
his life is in danger because Tony will not give up Tony B. He's been through a lot, Chris. I mean, this has been an extremely eventful past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Kill his fiance. And yes. then. Yes, he did. Now, uh, his life is very much in danger. Mm-hmm. So, Tony and Carmella are at home. Tony is fully back, you know, in the mix of living in the house and being the man of the house. And he's doing a little bit of maintenance. And Carmella takes note of the fact that Tony hasn't been sleeping so well lately. Yeah, that's a big point, right? Yeah. Hasn't been sleeping well lately. But yeah, he is back to his husband duties Mm -hmm. as they uh, watch. One, they watch their son just stuck glued to his phone. Right. And then they also watch Sal. Poor Sal. Poor Sal Vitro. Out in the snow with his son. Yeah. He always looks so miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Enters Carmela's dad with an architect, and they're going to look over some of the blueprints. Carmela brings in Meadow here. Meadow has this line about, oh, wow, that entrance is like three stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And you get this moment from the architect who just looks at her mm-hmm. and Tony just kind of pats her head. Yeah. <laughs> and it made me think like everybody who was saying, oh, you poor stupid girl. <laughs> right. That is kind of a moment. Right. Yeah. You think about that three story high entryway. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not really practical. <laughs> How'd you get into Columbia Meadow? <laughs> Seriously. So Chris returns in our next scene to the apartment that he shared with Aid. We can see right away that it's really in disarray. He hasn't really been there. or He was there, but he was so depressed that he just sort of trashed it and just left the trash sitting there. Uh, we get the sense that he hasn't been here in a while because he's been hanging out at his mom's house, totally depressed. But he's here um, on a pretty unromantic mission to just recover Adriana's jewelry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, it's super sad. Yeah. It's really depressing. And then his phone rings, and he thinks it's Tony, but it's Carmella, Mm -hmm. his cousin. And it's kind of nice to hear Carmella be sensitive to Chris's feelings, Mm -hmm. but she's obviously just, this is shocking. Of course it would be. Shocking. Yeah. And he has no idea where she is. Uh and so Chris has to kind of explain an imaginary absence right. for her. It's so funny because if um, I was talking to you and then you yes. sadly told me that abruptly, Allie, yeah. your fiance had disappeared right, and that your wedding was off, mm-hmm. I gotta be honest, <laughs> right away I'd be like, oh, he fucking killed me. <laughs> <laughs> But Carmela does not think that. <laughs> what time's Allie supposed to be home right, right. now? Oh boy! She but uh, Carmela does not believe that. Of course, you know of course her mind not. doesn't yeah. go there. Uh, she's just shocked, as you said, and, and very surprised. Yeah. Well, in this next scene, Raymond gets in the car with Grasso, hands him over a tape of pretty good evidence of tony talking about a job with Vito. Mm-hmm. i mean like good shit like he's providing the fbi with a lot right and uh he has no idea about adriana can't give that to grasso who mm-hmm. does ask about it and then he uh says uh hey tell the guys i say hi 
right <laughs> and i'll talk to you later yeah these scenes with ray are always so comedic because i've brought this point up before but you know with other characters we've seen how torn apart they are by being forced to talk to the feds but ray just has no inner conflict whatsoever nope in fact he relates to these feds better than in many ways he relates to his actual you know crime family <laughs> i would say we see that in the next scene yeah right so in the very next scene it's the prick's birthday Mm-hmm. And uh, if I may <laughs> call Ray a prick. Yeah. Um, because we see Larry Boy Barisi. Right. When was the last time we saw Larry Barisi? It's been a while. First of all, I want to know why now right. are we getting Larry back in the mix? But he. So Tony is going to arrive late. They get started. Larry raises a glass to Raymond calls him a prick calls him whatever mm -hmm. and you can see that ray is not smiling right the guys are all like <laughs> and he's just like no emotion like ray is not having it and i and i think you're right he's having more fun ratting on all of them yeah. than he is being a part of one of them <laughs> right it's not like big pussy you know no not at all i mean to be i guess practical about it Ray is far less close to Tony than either of these other main characters have been. Big Pussy, Shade, sure. you know, Tony means more to them than he means to Ray. Ray has never come over to the Sopranos house that we've ever seen to oh. have Sunday dinner. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, still, uh, he is having a good time ratting them all out and doesn't really give a shit about it. No. Uh, absent from the dinner is Christopher mm -hmm. uh, because they all... No, he's logically the next one to be on the chopping block if Tony B is not handed over. So that really explains the previous scene when Phil was going so hard at Joanne, Chris's mom. Absolutely. And however, you know, all the guys do feel like they are all a target. Right. You know, Paul, Paul, thinks that because he was he's been the closest to Tony since the beginning that he's a target. Bobby thinks he's a target. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks they're a target. Right, yeah. All for different reasons, yeah. Yeah, and now in the HBO synopsis, it says Tony contemplates a sacrifice bunt. Right. The The mention of the sacrifice bunt comes from Hesh in this scene. Right. Who says Christopher would be a sacrifice bunt. Right. But Tony's never, and I will just say this, in this episode, he doesn't consider giving Christopher up. No, of course not. As a sacrifice bunt. Yeah, I mean, they're just pretty imprecise in their language when they're doing these descriptions. Again, right? I'm just going to say they figure no one's reading them anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm just... I'm <laughs> but just, you're completely right. We're, yeah. we're, we're clarifying. Yeah. Right. Hesh is the one who's pondering just giving up Christopher. Yeah. No yeah. one else is. Right. Yeah. It's like, hey, you've got 30 seconds to write this description. Go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And then Vito almost gets caught by Tony, who mm -hmm. enters the scene, uh, having a bad comment about the whole situation. Right. About how bad it all is. Well, it's one of those funny things, because this is a major issue in this episode, uh, that we haven't quite seen this dynamic at play before, how all of the guys in Tony's crew are criticizing Tony behind his back. They're mm -hmm. really questioning his leadership, mm -hmm. and they're feeling like he is kind of inappropriately putting them all in danger for the protection of one person who really by rights according to the rules mm -hmm. tony should be giving up 
So yeah. they're all pretty upset. And yeah, you have that great moment where Vito's complaining and Tony walks. It's one of those things where like he's wrapping up his criticism of Tony just as Tony is walking in. Yep. But a key thing that happens is that Tony really, you know, I think we can assume that Tony did catch the last few words of Vito's, um, mm. you know, ranting or not ranting, but just his venting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tony acts like he didn't really hear anything. Yeah, I guess that's with all the the shoulder mm-hmm. yeah. tapping oh, and yeah. uh, comments directly towards Vito are. Yeah. Um, then it comes to his speech. Right. And it truly falls flat. Yeah. On these guys. Because they do know, they know, they feel that if it was anybody else and not a blood relative, he would gladly give them over to New York. I think so. Right? Yeah. And uh, at least that's what they think. Well, I think, too, when he's making this speech, and I always try and remember this about this whole scene and this whole dilemma in this episode, is it's really the torture issue. Right. You know, if Tony had assurances that it would just be a normal whacking for Tony B, then he would have given Tony B up. I mean, he actually kind of made that clear in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. But as he says here in this speech, hey, because it's been communicated to me that Tony B will suffer before he's killed and they're going to drag it out. That's why I can't do it. And by the way, if I found out that any of you were due for a similar fate, I would also offer a similar protection, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of a reasonable point that Tony's making. Sure. But they still don't want to hear it. Well, because then he says, so we're going to deal with this as a family together, no matter how it affects anybody, personal safety wise, financially wise, whatever. And everybody shifts in their seats mm-hmm. to that effect, the financially wise. Yeah. 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 They, they, the, that's what this is all about. Of course. And it's repeated through this episode. It's about making money. Right. That's all it is. So when they hear if it's going to affect their pocket, eh, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, a really great point and it's something that david chase has talked about a lot when he's discussed his this show his show um how at the end of the day it always just comes down to money right and gotta mention the good button to the scene patsy's line of thank you that was great yeah <laughs> interesting scene here so tony returns home to carmella he looks very worn out well he didn't have a meeting right right He just didn't want to stick around after that bad speech. Exactly. Yeah. He just didn't want to be around those guys who he knows are very being very critical of him behind his back. So yeah, there's that. And then Carmela starts in pretty much right away on, Hey, did you hear about Adriana and Christopher? Right. And really love what Gandolfini's doing here as Tony, where he's really just taking it all very slow and being very, very careful to betray nothing to make it very, you know, clear to communicate. He really knows nothing about what's going on when he of course knows everything. Well, we've seen this before, right? Mm-hmm. The acting lying from an actor. It's, yeah. it, it's very fun to see. Yes. It is. We know he's lying and that's what lying looks like to somebody who knows he's lying, mm-hmm. you know? And I like the timing of Carmela bringing up the breakup and Tony's lie and how you know, he's mentioning how these kids keep it bottled up and they become chemically dependent right as AJ comes up from the basement, yeah. right? Giggling. And they, and they both have this moment. Right. You know? 
Oh, and then of course Carmela brings up that movie night. Yeah, that they had where Adriana fell running to her car and sped off drunk. Yeah, exactly. And of course Tony hears that. He knows what that was about. But Carmela has really seized on this idea of, oh, I bet she was cheating on Christopher. I bet she was seeing someone else. And yeah, Tony's all too happy to let her believe that that's what it was. And either way, he really doesn't really want to talk about it anymore. No. And then later that night, I don't know if it's just me and I was deeply analyzing this. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you caught this as well. But later he's watching the History Channel, as he usually does. And Carmela sweetly, you know, joins him. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of surprised by this. Mm -hmm. But he appreciates her company. Uh, And it made me warm and happy just Mm -hmm. to know that they're getting along so well. But if you listen to the narration on the World War Mm -hmm. One or World War Two documentary, the narration says as she sat as Carmela has sat down. After being promoted in nineteen sixteen, he joyfully returned home on leave to marry his sweetheart, Lucy Maria Merlin. She would be the love of his life to its end. And I thought that's a perfect timing. It is. For this, right? Yeah. It's intentional. Oh, for sure. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though it's just sort of, you're not really meant to pay very close attention to it, but it is an appropriate kind of commentary on what's going on in that scene. Yeah. In that moment. And yeah, Carmela's feeling good about Tony. You know, she's still, it's still fresh. The fact that he's back, you know, um, they haven't settled into just being used to it. You know, it's kind of nice. And also she has this spec house to be thrilled about and she's very aware of the fact that it's only even happening because tony paid for it exactly cut back to tony who's still watching and then another uh clip from the narration we don't have to highlight necessarily but tony is watching intently during this moment where it's talking about how rommel had a sixth sense in sizing up a situation Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what tony needs right now yeah he's in a situation where he needs to have that extra sense to get out of this situation right yeah this is a great scene i mean it's a great episode in terms of showing us a nice fresh perspective on tony's mind Mm -hmm. and because of the situation that he's in he's really forced to kind of step outside of himself and think of himself as a leader and what that means and what his obligations are and his responsibilities are as a leader in the classic sense. Yeah. (laughs) Let me get uh, Mr. Incognito. Yeah, I really enjoyed (laughs) this disguise. Yeah, I mean, the scene here is just very silly. It's Mm. ridiculous. Christopher in disguise, in the car. Benny is going to drive him somewhere. Sill approaches to give him some money to tie him over while he's on the lamb. Mm-hmm. And then Syl just has to stand there while these two idiots just bitch and moan and complain and worry about the targets on their backs mm-hmm. as if it's like a realistic thing right. that they would have targets on their back. I mean, Christopher, yes. Benny, at this point, really? Well, it's a return to sort of the joke that we saw in the Ray's uh, birthday dinner scene where everyone has their own little yeah. reason in their own mind why they would be the next target. Right. And Benny's like, hey, I was Tony's driver. Also, a couple things I noticed. He's suddenly wearing glasses. Has he ever been wearing glasses before, Benny? I don't think we've seen him, but the glasses are intentionally. He puts them on later on right. in the in the scene. So Yeah. It's just 
glasses make somebody look uh right more of a pussy i say to you as you wear glasses right now (laughs) (laughs) yes um no i think you're right about that in all seriousness uh yeah i that was actually my thought that he's wearing the glasses because he wants to seem less threatening right um also Sill has this reference to Claude Rains, yes. <laughs> which I looked up. Uh, that was the actor that played the Invisible Man in the classic Invisible Man movie. Yeah, and so he's saying that that's what Christopher looks like with his disguise on. Yeah, and also I guess he is the Invisible Man. He's sort of not around. He's yeah, in hiding. That's right. I love Sill in this moment. Mm-hmm. He just not moved at all by all this. Yeah, has to remind Christopher of something. Right. It's just, it's good. It's good. It's ridiculous and it's good. Um, but it leads still mm-hmm. into a very important discussion in the next scene. Yeah. Where we pick up on Tony at the Bing in the back, smoking a cigar, hanging out. He thought Sill was gone for the day. Sill says, actually, I stuck around because we need to have a chat. And this is great because we haven't really had, this is like our first real consigliere talk mm-hmm. right where tony needs to get an outside perspective on things yeah did well, you have anything to oh, say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so this really exemplifies uh, a, a great kind of trait of sills right because he's been obviously hearing all of the criticism and he has them the, the same criticisms himself, but he's been holding it all in. Uh, you probably noticed during the birthday dinner scene, cuts to Syl. Just that great right. kind of series of looks that Steven Van Zandt can give where it's like, hey, I've got a lot on my mind. I'm thinking a bunch of things, but I'm not going to say those things. Right. You know, and then, of course, in the scene with Christopher, you know, he kind of chastised Christopher and he was like, hey, you have no right to complain about what Tony does. I mean, after everything that he's done for you. Right. Uh, which is kind of a good point. But mm-hmm. finally, yeah, he is trying to have an earnest, uh, honest, direct conversation with Tony. Well, he's read the whole situation perfectly. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly why Tony will not give in. He mm-hmm. does not want to kiss the ring of Johnny Sack. Mm-hmm. And, and it really has nothing to do with rules and all of that. Right. And, uh, and I, I think this is a great moment when you're main character gets to hear his fatal flaw to his face. Yeah. And still says to him, frankly, you got a problem with authority. This attitude of yours, it's a lot of what's made you an effective leader. But we all got flaws, even you. Seven deadly sins and yours is right. Yeah. And from there, Tony's pride kicks in immediately. Mm -hmm. And he tells Syl exactly what it's like to be number one. Right. And that he will never know. Because, of course, last week we heard Syl say some people are better at being number two. Yeah. Tony is alone with all of his decisions. Every move he makes affects something else. So there's, it it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And if people have a problem with it, too bad yeah exactly and importantly sill said 
before he launched into his kind of friendly criticism of Tony, all due respect. Right. Uh, which Tony later throws back in Sill's face. And he's like, all due respect, you know, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, that yes. kind of thing. And yeah, that is, of course, the title of our episode. Mm-hmm. And all due respect, I guess, is, you know, in a way code for... I'm about to say something you're not going to like. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. About you. (laughs) About you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Benny, wearing his glasses. Yeah. Well, throws his glasses on. Yes, he puts the glasses on uh, at the crazy horse. Business is bustling. I don't know who's running the crazy horse now, but, uh, you know, it seems to be doing really well. (laughs) Right. Christopher said it's rudderless. It seems like it's got a good rudder on it. Right. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, turns out, Benny was right to be concerned uh, that Phil would target him. Right. Because Phil appears with some help in the crazy horse. That's when Benny puts on the glasses to try and go into his Clark Kent mode. And yeah. he quickly kind of makes his way out. And sad, I think, he, you know. I think he actually has an eye problem. I think oh, really? he put them on to verify that it is Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you know it's Phil. Yeah. Put some hustle in that bustle. I agree. You're taking way too long to get to your car, Benny. Yeah. I mean, Phil was kind of walking slowly. Didn't know Benny was there for sure or anything. Um, Yeah. Benny should have run away. Phil has a fucking cane. And he has a cane. And he caught up. Right. And he didn't even lock his car door. Yeah. Phil just opens it up. Yeah. I mean, it's not good. No, not at all. Benny could have made it away. He... Like you said, should have put a little bit more hustle on. Uh, but yeah, he is confronted, and basically Phil says, "Tell me where Tony B is right now." Of course, I don't think Phil thinks Benny knows. No, he's just using this as a pretense to deliver a message, and he does yeah. by cracking his skull. Yeah. In the next scene, he's lying in the hospital with a fractured skull. His ears fucked up. He's just fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right. But at least he has the plumber's union healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll be okay. Right. And then we see more of the guys, more instability from Tony's crew. You know, Tony mm-hmm. does come in, doesn't have much to say though, right? Yeah. He's, He's like, emotional. Yeah. But, you know, this is the price I guess we're going to have to mm-hmm. pay at this moment. Eugene's not having it. Vito's not having it. I mean, Eugene wants to go to Brooklyn and start a war. Mm-hmm, right. Vito said, if that man does anything more to New York, we should probably take him out. Right, exactly. Tensions are high. I like this scene a lot. Unexpectedly, kind of a sad scene. Super sad. Yeah. So Tony, of course, he's really feeling the pressure. He's seen firsthand the enormous consequences of this course he has chosen he feels really bad that Benny took the hit he just took. And so he goes to Junior as he's gone many times in the past when it's an important question of what do I do? And he really wants Junior's guidance as, you know, a senior member of the family. Yep. As a former boss himself, technically still Junior is, I guess, co-boss. Right. And uh, Junior is just no use whatsoever. For the first time, Junior's just not there for Tony. Well, yeah, because he's not there for himself. Right. Uh, the Junior's getting a fruit basket for his lawyer, who mm-hmm. just had a stroke, which he's happy about because then they can postpone his retrial. Mm-hmm. And you think everything's fine. 
And then we because we haven't seen Junior in several episodes now. And this is our first, you know, remembrance to the fact that he is unhealthy. His right. mind is deteriorating and really quickly, too, because he can't keep up with Tony at all. Mm-hmm. It's great acting, though. It is. It's really good. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's sad. Yeah, right. can no longer confer with his uncle. Tony's like, I've been painted into a corner here. I really need your assistance and junior just he can't even focus on the discussion at all he just doesn't care i mean i think what's what's cool about this scene in a way is that tony's so frustrated but then it kind of registers with him that junior is just dealing with being an old man struggling with dementia he just realizes hey not gonna press it Right. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this starts a course for Tony of somebody seeking mm-hmm. a solution from somebody. Right. Like somebody else must have the answer. Right. And he's on this path to kind of try to get the answer. As he said when he was yelling at Syl, at the end, you're alone with it all. Yep. Your boss. And he's really living through that right now. Yeah. So, yeah, Larry is really prominent in this episode. He's Mm -hmm. at the pork store with Carlo and Bobby. And it's interesting. He makes a little comment about Feech was the wrong con man, ex-con man, to throw back Mm -hmm. into prison. It should have been Tony B. Uh, It's kind of funny Mm -hmm. uh, to bring that up. And the guys are still losing money. Carlo's crew cannot get any goods from the port still because they're just being taken all by New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, Larry Boy, the actor who plays him, of course, another Goodfellas alum. That's true. Yeah. uh, He was famously beaten up by Joe Pesci. Yeah, the restaurant owner, right? What? He's the restaurant owner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, this scene really just reiterates that Tony's guys, especially the higher up guys, are getting very resentful of Tony. They just feel like unless you're blood related to Tony, you don't really get protection. Right. Again, Tony on this path of trying to find a solution as his regular meeting with Melfi and brings up the Molinero dream. And ties it to his son, because, of course, earlier in the episode, we didn't mention, but Tony was going to go talk to AJ's coach. Right. And he, you know, discovers that unlike Molinero, AJ's coach hasn't taken an interest in AJ, doesn't find him special at all. Mm -hmm. And Melfi tries to point this out to him that with your coach or your son's coach not finding him special your feelings towards your cousin you just need to own up to these feelings Mm -hmm. and tony can't go into any details about his cousin which really has made caused melfi to just get fed up yeah she's really frustrated in this scene and she's like you're obviously talking around the real issues and he's like well i just can't talk about the real issues and she's like well then why are you even here yeah exactly yeah, again, he can't get even guidance from his own therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there to get guidance, to have uh, to be helped with his goals and his sense of direction. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to get it from her. Yeah. Because, of course, it involves murder. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, on that note, that's really kind of the final uh, Melfi scene of this season. 
Yeah, but why doesn't he just say, my cousin did something that in the American system of law <laughs> is considered... You sound so much like Tony right now. ...a capital punishment. <laughs> and then yeah. she'd be like, oh, okay. So he's murdered somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's actually kind of funny because I'm sure if Tony could talk about the situa situation of LP, he would. But there's really no way to kind of explain the dilemma without going into massive detail <laughs> yeah of uh, all the illegal murderous activity that they are involved in every day which they are yeah so in our next scene we uh return to aj we sort of have been getting hints at what he's been up to but now we actually sort of get it like he's been on the phone a lot. He seems to have been making plans for something. It wasn't academics related, but it was socially related. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's throwing a party, nighttime party. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Paul Dano is back. He is back, but it's so funny because I noted that, you know, still at this point in 2004, he was such a minor actor. He doesn't even get a close up. Nope. Like you can't even tell it's him, but it no, is him. But it is him. Yeah. So a party where you charge entrance fee oh, yeah. and your ticket is the red cup. I got to say, this was a really fun and enjoyable scene for me because I was literally in this exact situation once in college hmm. where um, we put on a party and it wasn't the cup thing. It was just charging people at the door. Hmm. And actually, literally this situation happened as I assume it always sort of happens where a couple kids tried to get in without paying wow. and so had to be confronted and it was actually really funny because uh my friend eric was there and i was there and a couple other people who had sort of been the organizers and then it actually started to get a little bit tense and everyone like on my side sort of just left oh except for me and for eric two of us we stood our ground and Eric was doing most of the talking, I will admit. Sure. Uh, and it didn't come to blows or anything like it does in this scene in The Sopranos. Blows. They wrestle. <laughs> yeah. It's not blows. <laughs> okay, blows is probably overstating it. But no, it did not result in a physical altercation. Uh-huh. Um, and then afterwards, Eric said to me, like, oh, thanks for being, like, the only guy that stayed while I was, you know, arguing with these guys who didn't want to pay right and i was like yeah of course but in my mind i was like if the punches had started flying up i probably would have run <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say if you weren't doing the talking you were obviously the muscle yeah <laughs> turns out we are all mistaken uh yeah sorry for that uh long sort of uh sidetrack but i just related to the scene personally because i definitely thought about that moment back yeah. in school uh but anyway Anyway, back to the Sopranos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's a, no, it's a good connection because, yeah, we see that AJ is getting kind of his feet wet in mm -hmm. a sense of uh, what it's like to kind of do an illegal activity, mm -hmm. you know, kind of following his father's footsteps a bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. And speaking of his father, next scene, he's almost ready to tell johnny sack exactly where tony b is he's liquored up for sure because we get that nice heavy breathing from gandolfini mm -hmm. calls johnny sack but cannot cannot bring himself to give him the location because of the torture bit 
Yeah. It's too much. He knows it's the right thing to do. He just can't do it. But how about this next scene? Yeah, I like this next scene. A very unexpected scene. It really is. Say. Sweet. Yeah. Sad. It's a lot of things. I mean, Tony, I guess his frustration, he needs to express it in some way. And he is aware of the fact that Polly is one of the senior guys who's probably complaining about Tony behind Tony's back. Mm -hmm. So Tony's just there at Polly's house. Well, to... he thinks it's Polly, right? Because right. Syl made a point that it's even guys who went back to your dad, who is right. Polly. Right. And yeah, so he is there, though, to talk to Polly about it, maybe even to get Polly's input mm -hmm. as well. I didn't think about that angle, but perhaps. You know, I just think Tony's on this yeah. mission to try to get somebody to help him, maybe indirectly or directly, mm -hmm. uh, point him in the right direction. And I think indirectly, he gets it right from Polly because he sees the painting. Very, very true. It's amazing that Burgess and Green and Chase use the painting from season four in this moment as a tool to give Tony his solution. Yeah. The whole changing the painting to make Tony look like a general and then Polly's moment here of explaining like, that's you. That's how I see you. Right. You're our general. Right. You're our leader. Tony's very upset, of course, because yeah. he had ordered this all the way back in season four, this painting mm -hmm. to be burned, to be destroyed. And he thought that his orders were followed. And he finds that not only were they not followed, but that this modification has been made to it, which Tony finds absurd. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as you just described, Polly very earnestly sort of explains what the alterations mean to him and how he feels like it's actually a very respectful gesture, very complimentary gesture towards Tony. And uh, I like this Polly, you know, bit here because I feel like Tony Sirico does a pretty good job of sometimes showing vulnerability hmm. when most of the time he's like sort of the biggest prick in the crew. Right. But like occasionally you could sort of see a different dynamic to him. Well, yeah, that moment that he says, I'm sorry, T. But you never come here no more. I didn't figure it'd be a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so sad. It is sad. You just see him sort of as like a grandparent right. in that moment. Yeah. And Tony viciously rips it off the wall. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think a lot of it is. Well, I mean, I don't know. What's your take on that? Of him taking it? Yeah. Um, he's the boss, and fuck. Polly for keeping it up there and mm -hmm. Piomai and the whole thing and he needs it off and he wants it destroyed because that's what he said. Exactly. And I think that's true. And I also think that a big part of it too is that maybe part of Tony is touched a little bit, but actually indirectly Polly has just reminded Tony of all of these things that Tony really doesn't want to think about, which is, oh, I'm the general. I have to be the leader. All of this stuff is weighing very heavily on Tony right now. He's very frustrated. Also, too, it's uh, disobedience yes. of, by Polly. And right now, his crew is feeling, you know, they're teetering on the edge of disobedience. Right. He's kind of getting a little bit of a mutiny. Exactly. Stirring against him. Yeah. In the next moment, though, he throws it into the trash, right? He steps on the eggs to give him a moment's pause. And then he looks at the painting long and hard. Mm -hmm. And he sees the general 
suit, the mm-hmm. sword, the hat. And I think he does realize that in that moment, he sees who he is and what he has to do. Yeah. It's brilliant. Like you said, brilliant, brilliant writing to reach back and mm-hmm. use this painting as a symbol here. A, a, a painting that we all forgot about, of course. They do it really well. And yeah, it's just got to feel, when you're a writer, it's got to feel like you just put like a nice puzzle piece in the perfect place. Oh, know? yeah. I was going to say coming in your pants. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just David Chase is like, oh, <laughs> that was a good idea. <laughs> Holy shit. This is a climactic moment, isn't it? Yes, it is. Pretty abrupt. Cue the Van Morrison. Yeah, I got to say, love this song. I'm sure you do too. Perfect. They're so great with their soundtrack you know, usage mm-hmm. in this show, obviously many people have brought this up but i gotta say with this song in particular it's one of those songs where when you hear it at the end of the credits which you do and you hear it here in this episode it sort of just gets stuck in your head for the rest of the day yeah you know yeah yeah Uh, while you were wrapping up yeah watching the episode i was listening to van morrison right just put you in the van morrison mood it really did it really did yeah i mean there are lyrics in here that kind of tie into the actual situation yeah glad tidings from new york yeah i mean right okay yeah exactly exactly especially here uh you know in our in our final episode and we'll kind of get to that yeah Um, our final episode of season five it's appropriate on that level too yeah um anyway tony b returns to uncle pat's farm he parks in the barn comes out He's armed, you know, he knows that he's got to be ready for action in case someone finds him. Uh, Walks up to the door with his groceries Mm -hmm. and pauses because who quietly comes around the corner? But Tony Soprano, shotgun in hand, blows his cousin's head off. Yeah. I can't remember how I reacted when I first saw this. Mm -hmm. But I have to imagine... Just the feelings that come up now watching it. How crazy it is. Yeah. That he was the one to come around the corner to do it. I don't know. It's like, uh, it's very dramatic for any TV or movie to, you know, have the character fly backwards from mm-hmm. a shotgun blast because that doesn't happen mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. But it's super dramatic. And really, really sad to see Tony then slowly walk up to his cousin, half of his head falling out, but his eyes are still wide open and he looks like the most innocent person. Yeah. Lying there. It's, it's, um, yeah, crazy. It's true. Yeah. You know, I was, um, talking actually to my brother about this scene recently and I was comparing it to, like the nature of the killing of Tony B, I was comparing it to putting down a dog. Like this is a, it, it has a real mercy killing mm. euthanasia feeling to it. It's just a simple thing that has to happen. There's yeah. no intent to, uh, you know, explain it by Tony or to draw it out one second later than it needs to be or for Tony B to suffer. I mean, it's very much 
what's the kindest way that I can do this? Right. What's the simplest way that I can do this thing that just needs to be done, you know? And I think that that kind of distinguishes this murder from every other murder we've ever seen in this show. Because it is just quick and it's not done out of anger. It's not done out of passion. It's just a technicality, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it also gives all those fucking people who wanted Adriana's gruesome death gives them something to drool over, I guess. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a huge contrast. Oh, yeah. We got the off-camera murder of Adriana. Yes. Just to reemphasize, <laughs> she was killed. She did die. And then we get this very up-close-and-personal death mm-hmm. on camera. Yeah. it's uh, And it is just... It's the quickest way Tony could have done it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shock and, and blast. The simplest. Also to note, he's wearing gloves. Right. So he is becoming more sophisticated as well, too. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget, this is also the man who pulled a gun out of a fish's mouth <laughs> in broad daylight and shot a man on his boat and then drove off standing in the blood. Yes. So at least he's learned a thing or two since then. <laughs> it's so funny because you think about that scene now and it just seems so comical. And it's like definitely not a scene that they would have done years later in this show. Right. <laughs> but season one, you know, we'll give him a pass on that. Right. And then sequence from here, Tony calls Johnny with the location. Later that night, Phil arrives with his cane. Yeah. Quietly opens up the door, the fence, uh, the gate, but turns and sees Tony be lying there dead. Right. Well, the deed is done. What can Phil do? Tony arrives the next day at the Bing, and we get a different feeling from the three men who are in there, Patsy, Bobby, and Sill, Mm -hmm. right? They all acknowledge Tony's presence. They're kind of glad to see him. Mm -hmm. They bought him biales and coffee, and Sill says that Johnny's been calling repeatedly, sounding a little upset, and he gives Patsy and Bobby a look like... We know what that means. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, yeah, the guys know what Tony did to settle this with New York and also not bend over to John. Right. It had to be him to murder Tony B. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they just look at him respectfully. You know, yeah. As uh, the lieutenants should look at their captain, at their general. Mm-hmm. Please, he's a general. Right. He spent years to get there (laughs) captain (laughs) but yeah um and then of course oh god i don't know this was this was more emotional for me when sill puts his hand on tony's shoulder Mm -hmm. and says bye Mm -hmm. i was like oh really kind of got you yeah feels a little bit because he knows what the fuck he did he like he it's it's in that moment that sill's like I may not fully understand what it's like to be number one, but what you just did, I could never do. Right. Could never do it. And like, he's happy he's number two, you know? Yeah. That's Sill's version of giving him a nice solemn salute, you know? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So we've heard from Sill that Johnny called a couple times upset. The guys leave, give Tony his space, and he sits there for a while by himself. Phone rings. Tony knows who it is. Picks up. It's Johnny. What? Didn't solve a thing. 
It's open, John. The fuck it is. He's beside himself now. In his hospital gown, no less. <laughs> I really, really, uh, I gotta say, I, I dwelled on Vincent Curatola's bare legs. And <laughs> <laughs> this, they're just so prominent. <laughs> they really are. His yeah. white legs. Yeah. No, it's so <laughs> funny. It's it's just such a good quality. Yeah. It adds to the scene just something that's silly. Mm-hmm. I, it, yeah. I don't know. This is this fucking show. Oh, but, but I gotta say, I, I will say something. Uh, there, I might be overreaching dramatically. I hope I remember this uh, a couple months from now. But I think there's an added dimension to this scene, actually. Johnny's location, oh. where Johnny is. What's going on with Johnny? Oh, what's on the wall behind Johnny? Oh, okay. I didn't look at what's on the wall behind Johnny, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Tony, uh, in this moment wants to put it all behind and graciously offers a quarter of his points from the Bloomfield operation that was Tony B mm-hmm. running it and uh, to give to Phil. And right. it actually gives John a moment's pause to be like, okay, we could talk about this more, I guess. Why don't you come to New York? And right. Tony has that line. Come into the city tonight. We'll sit down. No offense, John, but I got an IQ of 136. It's been tested. He's not going to go to New York on his own. Yeah, of course. So John suggests his house. I'm not going to kill you with Ginny upstairs. Mm -hmm. Come over. It's going to be no one, just you and me. Mm -hmm. Tony's like, all right. Yeah. But this whole time, Chris has been the invisible man, and now Tony has uh, cleaned up the mess. He can now go get Christopher. And I find it interesting that Christopher is responsible for cleaning up Tony B. Yeah. Like some Tony makes the point that it has to be him to do it. Okay. That's this concept that Tony has of it's all blood. I mean, even though the ties, I, I mean, I guess Tony and Tony B are real cousins more than, well, I don't know. I guess they're all cousins in a sense. Yeah. They uh, share genes. Yeah. Yeah. So the point is that, you know, ultimately symbolically, Chris is the only family member that Tony B really has in the Soprano crew besides Tony himself. Tony did the deed. He's not going to deal with the issue of disposing of the body. He's a boss, you know. Sure. It puts him at risk. But Tony B deserves a respectful burial, and it should be Christopher who does it. Right. Now they have a moment to discuss Adriana. Well, this is a fun moment. I mean, fun is a weird word. That is a weird word. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a uh, chilling moment, in a way. Okay, how but is chilling and chilling fun? and fun? Are what, very what, how's that a <laughs> continue? Okay, it's a chilling moment that's fun because it's surprising. Okay, when Tony says we never really talked about Adriana, and he sits down heavily, and you think that they're gonna have like a a man to man, heart to heart you know, conversation about feelings, mm. right? In a way. Yeah. That's the way that Tony sort of sets it up. But no, it's a very different kind of discussion. Very technical. Hey, yep. did Aid give anything important to the feds that you know of? Right. And we know not really what we've mm -hmm. seen. Christopher assures not. Maybe the cigarette stuff was something of her doing and why it got fucked up. Uh, Tony looks for some heroin, mm -hmm. finds none. And Christopher tells him, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be good for you. I'm gonna, I'm really gonna prove myself." 
and has that line that I just felt like, I mean, it obviously gets very cold from both of them. Mm -hmm. Christopher saying like, she couldn't do five years for me. I thought Mm -hmm. she loved me. Tony calls her a cunt. Right. It's, it's like, oh, you guys are dicks. But then they give each other a hug. Right. And then they start crying and they realize they need a bigger hug than that. Yeah. And they really embrace. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This is too much. Right. It's gotten really dark. Oh, yeah. The series, right? Oh, yeah. Like, Tony has been through shit. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, I think a little bit earlier, you know, I feel like season five is our darkest season yet. Literally mm. and figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> like the lighting is darker. Yeah. And just the heaviness and the weight of everything and the sadness. Yeah. You know, that it's just a darker season, but wonderful season. Yeah. But back at the Soprano household, AJ still being an annoying teenager. Carmela not really attacking him as much as she once had mm-hmm. in the past. But now that Papa is back. AJ has to act up a little bit more, but then <laughs> reveals to his parents that he actually has money of his own now. Yeah, Carmela's like, look, I'm cutting off your allowance until you finish all your college apps. And he's like, okay, but I've got 300 of my own bucks anyway. Yeah. And then, but, of course, they're like, how did you do that? Yeah, and then I thought, well, guess what, AJ? No one cares that you threw the best party that everyone said was great. Right. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. But... It does lead to this very funny moment between Tony and Carmela discussing event event planning mm-hmm. as a possible career path for AJ. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, isn't it a little gay? Right. Yeah. It's the thing that Tony brings up. Oh, that's gay, isn't it? And then Carmela brings up uh, the 54 movie with Mike Myers. Right. And Tony's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they just lie in bed thinking like, yeah, but I mean, you know, we... Well, I guess, you know, I don't know. She's fired up about something, at least. Well, yeah, because in a way, they're impressed because this is the first time that AJ's really displayed motivation um, that he's displayed initiative and he actually earned some money for himself. First time for that too. So yeah. even though they're still annoyed by his personality and <laughs> by the fact that he put on this party where kids are probably drinking illegally, at, at least it shows that maybe he possibly has a, a skill. Future. He has a direction that he might follow that might lead to success. Right. Yeah, I love this scene. This well, is one of my favorite scenes yeah. ever of the whole show. I mean, it's just it's just great. Yeah. You know? um, because it's a really, really significant scene that is sort of, in many ways, I think, a pivot point for the rest of the series. Right. right. It's all about Sal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all about Sal Vitro. Uh, I love this guy, how he just gets to pop up, you know. Every, yeah. they, the writers just didn't forget about Sal. No. You know, uh, and all this work that he has to do for free <laughs> right. for these bosses <laughs> as their gardener. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's the meeting in which Tony and Johnny Sack are going to kind of hash out uh, basically what 
to do with Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to make peace, you know, one-on-one. They need to discuss the terms. Yeah, and I also saw it as a, a moment where Tony was actually teaching John how to be a boss. Yeah. Like he was actually instructing him on how it works. You are the boss now. If Phil is upset, you please him in some way. Yeah. You take care of it. And I find I found that really interesting. I never picked up on that before. Right. Yeah, exactly. You, you get to tell Phil how it's going to be. And if he doesn't like it, too bad. You're still the boss. Yeah. But make him happy. Mm-hmm. Do something that will make him happy. Right. And then tell him that it's over. Yeah, he says. He has a price. And, and what? Read his price. And that's it. I don't want to hear nothing else. Oh, you don't. I paid enough, John. I paid a lot. Super strong. Yeah. Like, so good. I've right. never seen Gandolfini, like, engaged this mm-hmm. way before. The rage in his eyes and his anger mm-hmm. towards Johnny and just being like, do you not get it? Right. You are the boss. Yeah. Don't tell me you can't do something. Right. It's done. Tony B is dead. Now, if you want to go back and forth and start killing each other and not make any money, totally up to you. But I know you want to make money. Mm-hmm. We all want to make money. So fucking just do something. And what's even better, what's even great about it, which I didn't pick up before, John already did give Phil something. Right. Phil is already content because he got the sports book. <laughs> Tony's like, why didn't you fucking say that before? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And of course, in a very simple, direct way, ties into the overriding theme of this episode, you know, the burdens on a leader. Tony's been used to this for a long time. Right. He's really had to think of it lately due to the Tony B dilemma. Right. And Johnny Sack is new to this position. He's been daydreaming about it for years, mm-hmm. but it's one thing to daydream about it and then one thing to actually be the boss. That's and right. he's starting to sort of feel a little bit of that weight that Tony is so used to bearing himself and once tony now has his house in order right Right. it seems like johnny sack his house is falling apart well it's great because right at this moment when they seal the deal literally embrace and are happy to be back in business right it's looking like a very nice productive harmonious prosperous future who comes over the hill half in the distance. It's perfect. Isn't it yeah. great? It just is like, and Tony sees it and he, he immediately takes off. Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah. He is off into the snow, into the woods and Johnny Sack is right behind him trying to get out of there. Yeah. Johnny's uh, home is being swarmed by the feds. Yeah. It's an early morning raid. Best Johnny- time for a raid. Absolutely. Well, I think technically that is when they do do it, like basically at like first light, Mm. you know, so they swarm in, they take no chances in apprehending Johnny. Yep. Tony thinks that he's escaped and he has, humps a fence, right? Ditches his gun too. Yeah. Which makes a nice little gun pattern in the snow. That's right. (laughs) The gun just sinks into the snow there. Yeah. Uh, Tony hops the fence. Uh, This is the most exercise he's gotten outside the bedroom in a while, I'm guessing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but how undignified for the boss of New York mm-hmm. to fall flat on his face in right. the snow. <laughs> poor, poor Johnny Sack. Yeah. We really don't know what's going on. We don't know why this is going right. on, but we definitely are like, Tony, get the fuck out of there. And he is 
trucking, going through the snow, mm -hmm. through water. Finally gets a moment where he can call his lawyer, who, by yeah. the way, has a wonderful mustache on oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> did you notice that? Oh, I certainly did. Beautiful it's a great stash. And what does Tony learn? Well, he learns that... Jimmy Patrillo. Yes, I was gonna. I was pausing because I couldn't remember the name. But of course, it was Jimmy Petrill. We saw him in the first scene of this episode. We've seen him in a couple other scenes in previous episodes. He is to, for anybody who's like I don't know who Jimmy Petrill yeah. is. When Tony got the phone call last week about Carmine, little Carmine dropping out, that was from Jimmy Petrill. He was also in the first scene in the morgue. He's that old little fat man. Exactly. <laughs> He's that old little fat man, and he flipped. He flipped big time. He gave 18 years worth of murder, racketeering, gambling, all surrounding Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. It would have gone all the way to Carmine Sr. if he was still alive. Yeah. You know what's so funny about this? Mm. And I never really thought about this before. So basically, Jimmy Petrill just brought New York down pretty bad. Right. Pretty heavy indictments all around. Yep. But who can't be indicted because he was in jail for the majority of the last 18 years. That is right. That <laughs> Phil Leotardo. Phil Leotardo. That yeah. is correct. Well, we know that uh, Johnny Sack is in deep shit. Mm -hmm. um, but Deep snow and deep shit. Yeah. Tony is reminded by his lawyer, you're in the clear. You yeah, are not totally mentioned fine. in the indictment. Your car is parked there. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. I think the bigger thing Tony should be thinking about is, Wow, an old man ratted everyone out. Mm. And this time we've been focusing on the young guys. You know, remember way back in, I think, season two, the strip search of Christopher mm -hmm. going pantless. What about the old guys? Right. You know? Can't trust anyone. And we know that Raymond is a rat. Exactly. Ray the rat. Yeah. So, Tony, hey, he's free. Safer now. Yeah. And he has a very chipper lawyer right now. Right. Funny detail, cinematically, story-wise, it yeah. is important. But after Tony hangs up the phone, yep. he continues walking yeah. to his house. He could have called a cab. He's not in danger. Hmm. Maybe he wanted to walk. Okay. Yeah. I mean, clearly. Well, yeah. See, and he'd been walking three miles, as we yeah. know, already. And... Uh, I mean, if he didn't walk home through his backyard, we would not get one of the greatest little bow ties mm -hmm. to the end of a season mm -hmm. because we get the image, that dramatic tool of the bear walking, looming through the foliage, right? foliage, yeah, looming through the foliage and who comes out of it but Tony. The bear. The bear has returned home. And it all merges. All the symbolism. The shot started out slow motion, right? We thought it was the bear, but it is Tony. A bear of a different sort. And <laughs> yes. yeah, ties it all the way back together to our season premiere 13 episodes ago. Two Tonys. Yeah. And uh, it's great, too, because, of course, that episode two Tony started with a bunch of shots of the backyard. And here we literally are in the final scene of season five in that same backyard. That's right. You know? Yeah. With Van Morrison kicking up again. Mm -hmm. It was a great season. Yeah. A great finale. Good acting, directing, writing all around. Because now we have Matthew Weiner in the game mm -hmm. as well. 
we had Emmys distributed to people who never won Emmys before. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, season five was incredible, and I'll just always remember it as the last Sopranos episode that we got for a very long time, because uh, this is actually when I started to catch up with the show in real time. Me too. Yeah, so uh, for us fans who were there back then, it was a very long wait (laughs) until uh, Sopranos returned with season six. Yeah, but it won't be a long wait for us. We'll be back next week. We're just going to keep trucking on if we can. Uh, But that does it for this episode of The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Join us next week. But until then, if you're enjoying the podcast, there are many ways to support it. Like us on Twitter and Facebook at The Soprano Show. Leave a comment and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all over the place. And reach out to us. Say hello. Talk to us. What's going on? Do you like the show? I bet you do. But like we do with every episode. (laughs) We end with our favorite line, and I have to say, I loved most of the lines, the dialogue in this episode, and, you know, when we say favorite, I wouldn't say it's necessarily always just our favorite line, because I want to share favorite lines throughout the episode of this podcast, Mm -hmm. but this line stood out to me, because Phil Leotardo, he actually is very quick-witted. He was with christopher's mother and he also was with benny because in that moment when he opens up benny's car door benny says i'm on my way to the hospital well that's up to you and is like oh fuck yeah but what a quick wit on the guy no that's up to you if you're gonna go to the hospital or not phil's a great villain super villain my favorite line for this episode. It comes at the climax of the therapy scene with Melfi. Mm. And Tony's very sad and he says, I'm very confused. But we can't talk about it. It's my mess. All my choices were wrong. And I just thought that that was kind of like a sad moment and a moment that I really felt the emotion that Tony was feeling yeah yeah that was his like what's the opposite of a zenith nadir ah it was his nadir yeah all right let's end it on that vocab word (laughs) okay okay kids nadir